Seltzer Kings Podcasts. On today's episode, is monogamy for you? The time LB testified in a court of paw, and when not eating a Chick-fil-A isn't enough. All that and more on today's episode of Bad Advice with Lori Beth Denberg. Help me out, almighty Lori Beth Denberg. Give me that vital information so I get the red thoughts. Who do yeah? The church of Lori Beth is in session, and we're reading from the scriptures of vital information. Talk to my goddess and my savior, my LBT. Just tell me what's going on with me. Oh my goddess and my savior, my LBT. Just tell me what's going on with me. My name is Lori Beth Denberg, and thank you for listening to the Bad Advice Podcast. With me, as always, is Clark. Hello! Hello, Clark Crozer, in case you thought I swapped Clarks out on you. I'm not Clark W. Griswold. Exactly. Well, or are you? (laughs) Actually, that's the picture you have that... Art piece, piece of art yeah, that yeah, yeah. has Chevy Chase and it says Clark and that's the picture that comes up on my phone when you call me. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. I took a picture of that or I got the image off the internet. Yeah. Um. Anyway, hello, hello, <laughs> dear listeners. Hey, how are you? I am losing my shit. Oh no, you're losing your shit? Yeah, I am oh. just losing my fucking shit. I, I do okay. Yeah. And yes, and life and masks and- yeah. All of it. And then I just hit a fucking wall. Mm. And I, here's what's not fair. Yeah. Here's what's not fair, Clark. Yeah, please tell me. I am isolating, yet I am never alone. (sighs) That's right. I live with my father. It can be difficult. You, I know, you live with your. I have my wife. I have my son. Whom you love and enjoy being with. And <laughs> yes. not that I, you know, I watched, I watch uh, Jeopardy with my dad. We oh, have sure. a good time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And, uh, you know, but I just, it's like I'm screaming in my head yeah. because I'm never alone. And I do sad things like I, I will get home from, you know, if I'm going shopping, if I'm going somewhere. Yeah. And I just sit in the driveway. For an hour and a half, oh. like a like a businessman who just can't go in to face his wife and kids wow. yet. You know, I, huh. I went to go, you know, pick up something to eat. I got some sushi last night. I picked it up. I sat in the parking lot and I ate it because it's like it's it's a, a it's, moment. It's my alone time, but yeah. it's not working anymore. It's not enough. Oh. So anyone out there who is just, you know. And I'm still zooming with people. Yeah, it's not like yeah. I'm sitting there going like I don't have anyone to talk. Well, to. it's it's almost not like you're saying it, you're not upset that you're uh, in quarantine as much as you're upset as that you don't get your alone time in the quarantine. Yeah. No, the quarantine is the quarantine. I just don't get any time alone. to yourself. And 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 it's not like you uh uh have been living with your dad this you know forever yeah you lived by yourself for 10 20 years yeah so going back to this must be so frustrating at times it's very strange and it's and also dear listeners i don't know if i've called you dear listeners (laughs) yet today my dad isn't bugging me every minute of the day he's in his den but it's just that feeling of you know you're not alone right you know every time i walk from my bedroom to the bathroom 
if I don't feel like putting on clothes, it's right. like a mad dash of how awkward it might be. Exactly. You know, and there's just never that exhale. I haven't had that moment exhale. to fart. Yeah. Well, no, I fart constantly. Oh, I'm okay. really, I'm really good at farting. Okay. Well, at least you're comfortable around I'm, farting around your dad. Oh yeah. I mean, just in general, I'm really good at farting. <laughs> okay. I'm not good at burping. Really? Like there's people that can just burp oh, yeah, all I that they totally... want. <clears throat> I can burp whenever I want. I cannot. I'm not even that good at burping under, like, I have to really have chugged something, especially like a soda, for it to get a good burp. What an odd thing to be bad at. I'm, I, yeah. That's so interesting. I'm just, well, it's just not a skill I have. That's it's fine. interesting. Who, who needs that exactly. skill? You don't need to have well, that skill. Not it's, when you've got a fart like mine. It's more interesting that you can't burp. Yeah. That's actually kind of fun. I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Add that to my Wikipedia page. <laughs> not able to burp. <laughs> On my Wikipedia page. Yeah. First of all, it was really funny because years ago. Yeah. This is. 10 years ago, we were at, I was at Chili's with two of my friends. Yeah. We like Chili's. Did anyone uh, cut open a toe? Not yet. Okay. No, no, no. That was prior to the toe incident, oh, okay. I think. Okay. Clark, that's another one that's pretty funny. <laughs> oh, uh, 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 Logan. That's Logan yes. that was on last week or the week before. Yeah. It was his wife that cut open her toe. Okay. So now we have to tell this story. <laughs> Because we're not just going to leave it at that. We went to uh, Chili's. It was yeah. Clark and Karen, his wife, yep. and Logan and Julie, Julie his, his wife, wife, and me alone because that's my destiny in <laughs> oh, life. Boo. But I do like Chili's, yes. so I came along. Yeah. At some point, Julie, Mrs. Logan, cut her toe open on something. Yeah. Oh, and she was like seven months pregnant at the time. She was super pregnant. She was wearing sandals. Or, it's not yeah, like she was yeah, walking yeah. barefoot over glass, but um, she really cut her toe open. Yeah, like the ch- the bottom of the chair, the went chair, over the table, or something. something. And so we call our waiter over and he was really just like, um, yeah, sorry about that. Like he offered <laughs> no assistance. Yeah. It was really like, you need to go get some like, towels and ice or bandage but he really just was like what do you want me to do about it yeah it it was really strange (laughs) and so then we ended up like eating our meal and I guess she I mean I think she was really like can I get some paper towels yeah like we were just like I feel like somebody had a band like maybe there was somebody in a nearby table that had a band-aid or something very strange and then Karen was just like pursuing like this is not proper customer service (laughs) And eventually, I think she did say something and the manager came over. Yeah. And then the manager was like, I'm so sorry. You know. Yeah. Granted, it's not like, you know, a a stewardess, a flight attendant. Right, right, right. For those of you who don't know, for those of you that think that their main, you know, focus in life is to get you a diet Sprite (laughs) the second you need it. 99.9% of their training and their job is... (laughs) Getting you off the plane alive when yeah, shit goes down. Exactly. That is what they do. That is what they know how to do. That is luckily what they don't have to do very, very often. Right. And then so everybody just thinks that they're like a shitty waitress <laughs> that to be treated like crap. Yeah. So if you ever give shit to a flight attendant, just remember me in your head telling you to fuck off. <laughs> but, um, okay, you know, that digressed from the. Our 
Chili's story with Mike and Julie, which uh, was also from another Chili we're story. Going to, we're going to go back to that other Chili. No, no, no. Okay, I'm, let's I'm go gonna back to I'm going to taste. I'm going to bring it back. All right, let's work what, it. Why I talked about flight attendants is because they are trained for that. Yeah. A Chili's waiter isn't necessarily. <laughs> it's not like he was like, oh, good. I was just washing mash. I know exactly what to do. <laughs> right. But in any case, I think we did end up walking out with a $25 Chili's gift card yeah. because the manager was like, oh. Sorry. Sorry you lost a toe. But when I was at Chili's a different time with yeah. two of my friends, yeah. we were playing this game. It's when iPhones were out and where it was like dictation was a new thing. Oh, yeah. So the idea was to say your name into the iPhone and then laugh at how it misinterpreted it and what it brought up in a Google search. Okay. So, of course, they do it and it's funny and it's cruising. And then I go, Lori Beth Denberg. And it pulls up my Wikipedia of page. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. I am, you know... All so important. So they were like, oh, fuck you. But then there's somebody at some point, I don't know if it's still there, who put on there that I had married my high school sweetheart. Whoa. None of that is true. Okay. And I remember my friend tried to change it. She's like, I'm going to edit this. And then it was right back up there. What? Somebody is insisting that you I, married your childhood sweetheart? they were sweetheart? insisting or she didn't save her thing oh, correctly. Oh, right, But right. either way, it was kind of like, where did this come from? That's so odd. Yeah. So anyway, that was uh, now the reason we started talking about that was adding something to my Wikipedia page, which was that I cannot burp on command. Yeah. Oh, look at that. <sighs> you made it all the way back. That I was made a, it all the way back. That was a very uh, 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 wonderful journey that yes, we just all took. I feel, <laughs> I feel very, very satisfied right now. Right. Um, so yeah, no, I'm just, I mean, I've, I've hit a little wall. I'm doing what I can to, take a breath to, you know, I was telling you about it. I came over to Clark's house early. I said, can we start early? Just, I was ready. I was just anxious and ready to do something. And, and I said, well, can I just come over early to sit with the dogs on the couch? And I did that. I sat with the dogs for whatever, half an hour and Flinny was on my lap and Baggy's right next to me. And it really did make me feel better. So amazing therapy dogs. They are good smushes. Yeah. 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 I love them. (sighs) But uh, if uh, you're doing good enough, uh, I do have questions from other people that do need advice on things. Oh, yeah, I can always help other people. If you're up for helping other people, then uh, let's move on to some of these questions. And then I can't think about my own problems. So this is working out. (laughs) See? Perfect. Um, Okay, let's move on to question number one. And question number one is from Brandy. And Brandy asks, hey, LB and Clark, do you think that relationships can survive infidelity? Oh, my. Yeah, that's a that's a powerful one sentence question. That is a powerful. Well, thank you for um, writing in Brandy. Yes. Um, some relationships don't even revolve around monogamy. That's true. So the answer to that question on the face of it is what are the rules within your relation the rules? Yeah. What are the what are the guidelines? What are the things that are important to you and your partner? Right. 
And what's been set up to do that? If you're, you know, Brandy is phrasing it as infidelity, yeah. which really inherently says I'm in a monogamous, monogamous, <laughs> I'm in a monogamous relationship and my partner cheated or yes. I cheated. Yes. And if those are the concepts, if that is the relationship as it is set up and understood, then it is up to, you know, an individual yeah. to say, nope. This was the deal breaker. Yeah. You know, what's the deal breaker? Or, you know, I'm too, what comes with all of that? And this is what I've, I think I might've said it on the show before. It's like, you know, when people get to like, it's not the cheating, it's the lying. And right. I'm like, eh, it's yeah, the cheating too. Because yeah, inherently yeah. it's just this, if you have that understanding with your partner and that is completely disregarded and disrespected. Yeah. That's that's what hurts. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, alongside, oh no, I was lied to, and I now what's my life without this person? If right. I choose to do, right. you know, break up. But um, so on that note, depending on the definition of your relationship and the understanding with your partner, it's either a deal breaker or it's not. But there are plenty of iterations of. Relationships, iterations, I think I just used incorrectly. No, no, I think that's right. There are iterations of, <laughs> you know, people that have open relationships, True. people that have, which most of the time we all roll our eyes and we're like, <laughs> yeah, we know what that means. It means that you're going to break up in six months. Yeah. But, you know, there are um, plenty of people I know that have a looser definition of, or I guess it's the, the, compartmentalization yeah, nice. of the relationship and the love versus sex. Right. That is not something that probably most people can separate. Right. But if that's your bag yeah. and you're with someone whose yeah. bag is similar. And then I doubt you would ever be able to reconciliate after Somebody, uh, your partner falls in love with somebody else. That might be a little hard to do. But, you know, if you're the kind of person that isn't that, you know, crazed about sex, maybe just having a wild fling with somebody isn't that important to you or doesn't mean that much to you. And within within more open relationships, they there generally still are rules. Exactly. Oh, there generally are rules. like, here's the rules. Absolutely. No one I know, no yeah. one I work with, no one comes to the house. Never it tell me about it. Always in the house. tell me about yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And just as, you know, deciding whether you know, straight up monogamy is what is the foundation of what we're doing here. All of those things, to, you know, and I, I don't know. I don't personally know of anyone that's like, it's the wild West. <laughs> go, shoot your, go shoot your pistol any way you want. Right. Um, so using the word infidelity in this question, Brandy leads me to believe that it is based on, what was understood to be a monogamous relationship. Right, right. And I can't tell you, I, I mean, definitely relationships have survived infidelity. Yes, they have. Absolutely. Yep. It's just about the relationship can survive. The question is, 
are the people inside it really surviving? Right. Does surviving mean, well, we didn't break up, we didn't get divorced, but I hate my fucking husband and I live in anger and resentment every goddamn minute. Right. That's not a, re- that's on the outside. That's a relationship well, yeah, the surviving. still there, but. But the actual relationship, which is between two people is dead. gone, dead, dead. Totally. fucked up and ready to implode. Yeah. So it depends on the, on you know, what do you got with your partner? Yeah. What do you got set up? What yeah. do you, what, what's your understanding? And whether I, I think that is what I just, I, I agree with myself. <laughs> it's not whether the relationship can survive. It's whether if you've been cheated on, you can survive in the relationship. Right. Which, um, I think I might get crocheted on a pillow because that's, <laughs> that's nice. Yes. I think we found our first merch. Yeah. <laughs> Sell some embroidered pillows. Exactly. That really speaks to my demographic, I think. <laughs> well, uh, hopefully that helps a little bit, Brandy. Um, you know, that's a, that's a pretty broad question. So. Yeah. Uh, Randy's like, oh, I wasn't asking for myself. I was just curious. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, hopefully that helps. And uh, I want to tell the listener that I have a glass of water and I have taken like three sips and none of them have gone directly in my mouth. <laughs> it's dripping. It dripped on my leg before. Well, and now it's running down my chin. I did give you the dribble glass. <laughs> so anyway, let's move on to question number two. And question number two is from... Uh, my favorite person, uh, Mr. Anonymous, and uh, they were asking you, would you, Lori Beth, ever consider being on a celebrity fitness show like Celebrity Fit Club? Please explain your reasoning for or against. Aha. Interesting, yes. Mr. Anonymous. Yes. Um, I was approached. Oh, were you? To be in the very first season of Celebrity Fit Club. What? I was. I um, declined. Okay. And here's how I know I have morals and ethics. (laughs) Because I was fucking broke. I was still using. I was hurtling. This is years ago. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is 15, 16, 17 years ago. I was hurtling toward my bottom as a drug addict. Yeah. And I was fucking broke. Wow. But... I have this problem with reality TV. Yeah, you always hated reality TV. Well, I always have, and I have a special, well, I have two special reasons. The first is that, you know, I'm an actor. Right. And what I love doing most is television and sitcoms. And for every, you know, reality TV show that goes on the air, it's two sitcoms that never were born. Yep. And especially right when, when Celebrity Fit Club was coming out, it was huge yeah reality shows were not even peaked yet they were still on the rise they were still like exploding it was like when you know freaks and geeks had to keep changing time slots so nobody could get a handle on it so that they could show joe millionaire exactly so that brings me to another thing about reality tv shows for the most part they're disgusting yeah it's like this you know, my friend, my best friend, she can't stop watching 90 Day Fiance. Oh. She knows. 
It's a train wreck. She watches it because it's awesome. But I cannot get past how disgusting it is. And because I work in production, I'm constantly disgusted by the people, by the producers. Yeah, you can see all of the shit that must have happened behind the scenes to make this shot work. Yeah. No, just, you know, I know that they're behind there going, well, I don't know why everyone questions his love for you who's to say that a 22 year old nigerian man who barely speaks english isn't in love with a 60 year old fat white trash what you know it is awful it is it is disgusting and it is sad yeah and that i mean i think that 90 Day Fiance is certainly kind of a great example of the worst of it. Yeah. But, okay, this went out on another tangent, too. No, no, no. But I was just about to say, you know, I do feel like now that the reality craze has kind of crested and is now kind of flattening out into a more normal situation, I do feel like reality shows are now kind of clearly split there see there is a a group of reality shows that i feel like is not manipulative and horrible oh, to totally. people and i would put in like a survivor in there yeah. and you know uh amazing race that kind of stuff absolutely but then there are just there's these this group of reality shows that it seems to be hunting for the moral low ground yeah and it just seems to be an endless stream of like, oh, well, these are little people that are trying to date. And I'm yeah. Like, well, then why do they need to be on TV? That just makes it feel gross. Yeah. It's all very exploitative. Yeah. It's like somebody looked at cheaters and yeah. said, how can we be more disgusting than or, this? Or somebody looked at cheaters and was like, oh, uh, flipping through a, a flip book of old carnival stuff and was like, hey, look at this sideshow uh, thing that people used to have. Yeah. I wonder what we could do to make a sideshow for today. Yeah. It's. And and that's what it feels like. It feels yeah. like they're they're everyone's being used. All of the quote unquote stars of this these reality shows are just being used by the producers to make money. Yeah, in under the guise of well, maybe sharing my story will help someone else or yeah. legitimize me. So anyway, overall, I have uh, an issue with with rea- what you're gonna really call reality shows. Yeah, you know. And reality non-competition shows mm-hmm. is what they usually are. It's the yeah. ones that aren't trying to like win a prize. Yeah. You know, that's a very good point. That's a very good point. Yeah. I don't know if there's a prize on Celebrity Fit Club, but I don't know. I was the prize is self-esteem. <laughs> I was approached to do the first season of that. Wow. I had just begun working with some friends, working with a woman to help me deal with some food issues and some weight issues. Hmm. And this came through and I'm like, oh, fuck, TV. Yeah. Money. Yeah. Whatever. But I, they, they sent me the information and it was like, you'd have to wear, you know, a skin tight suit oh, and be right. weighed on the air. Like right. what the show is. Yeah, of course. And I just said, no. I said, I mean, politely, yeah, but co- to yeah, myself, yeah. I yeah. said, absolutely not. And, that, <laughs> and I had a new agent at the time. I no longer, I need an agent if anyone's listening. (laughs) Uh, If anyone's listening with an open movie part for me, an agent, or just money, if you just want to give me some money. Sure, sure, sure. um, I used that kind of as a litmus test for my agent. When I told him, 
I was offered this and that I didn't want to do it. Yeah. And he said, well, I don't know why anyone would want to do it. Okay. You know? Well, yeah. Uh, the same agent then put me up for the second or third season of it, pushing mm. me to do it. Mm. So we ended our relationship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I was offered Celebrity Fit Club mm. um, on two occasions and I turned it down. It's not, I mean, anyone who didn't hear our episode a few, a few weeks ago yeah. about, um, you know, body image and weight issues and food issues, go back and listen to that. I think it's episode 13. Yeah, it's... Um, I bared my soul. I bared my breasts as well, but you can't tell because it's Radio. just a podcast. Um, Clark is still traumatized. <laughs> but, um, you know, I knew that that wasn't something I was willing to do. Mm. I knew that that would be harmful to me. I mean, that you must have really known because at that point, if you have no money and a drug addiction. Oh, yeah. Like. You must have been desperate for anything to come in. So to Absolutely. turn it down must have been incredibly hard. I look back on that specific moment yeah. where I really said no. Yeah. As this like unquestionably, I know where my morals and my ethics and my boundaries lie, hmm. which just lets me know, you know, when I decide to change or break them. You right. know? Oh, it's like, remember that one time? <laughs> but because um, there are other shows that I would be, you know, I was yeah. on a I don't remember what it was called. It was called the 90s house or something. Hmm. And that was little kids, little kids to <laughs> me. Um, and I went in with I went in with. Who was there? Kel, me and Kel, and then Lance Bass, I think, was the host. Okay. So I have this really cute picture of me and Kel and Lance Bass. Okay. Like most people do. Sure, sure, sure. Um, and I like went on that to do a little, we were part of like a little challenge or right, something. Right, like a reality you competition. You know, it's not like, oh, I'm too good for that. Well, it's I, that I, this was a very specific issue. I also feel like if there was uh, somebody came out in the next year or two and was like, a really famous big weight loss specialist mm -hmm. and they were really good at working with you know one-on-one -on -one with people and getting people into a good bed better place and she approached you of or he or whatever it was approached you saying look i just want to spend some time with you maybe walk go around spend you know live your life for a week i'll just follow you around and i can give you hints and tips and where i think you should go i think you would probably yeah consider that yeah because it's a more humane nobody's being exploited it's more of just showing somebody growing and learning and you know yeah so there's there's ways that you can make reality tv less gross yeah i mean in in film they call them documentaries you know <laughs> exactly, what i mean exactly so it's it there definitely is that reality tv has that capability yes celebrity fit club was not the right fit for me <laughs> yes very good very good we'll end on that so uh let's move on to question number three and question number three is from uh somebody named Comet comedic cam 47 right comedic cam 47 and comedic cam 47 asks how do i help my father reconnect with his father he had an old school childhood and has tried to confront his father about it before but my grandfather, but my grandpa denied it. Ironically enough, now my father has become more and more toxic to all of those around him. 
he's turning into the man he no longer wishes to call his father. In the process, he is pushing myself, my fiance, and my mother away. Wow. Yeah. <sighs> well, if anyone uh, knows about fathers. This was a funny, a funny question from Comedic Cam 4. Comedic Cam 47. Oh, 47. Um, thank you so much for your question. Here's what I think. Your dad's dad, forget about it. Yeah. If he's going to deny it, then forget about it. All that does is, you know, pushing your father, pushing your father to push his father. Like we need because because sometimes I don't family doesn't mean that much. Sometimes. Yeah. It doesn't matter if someone beat the shit out of you and won't acknowledge there was anything wrong with that or even say, look, that's what it was at the time. And yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. You don't need anything to do with them. It doesn't mean, matter if they're your gramps or yeah. your aunt or your mom or your dad or your brother or whoever. Yeah. So that to me isn't a real important part of this. Mm -hmm. The really important part of this is really talking to your dad in a way to say without being accusatory, because mm -hmm. this is something I've probably said on before. We only know what we know. Right. I only know my experience growing up. Yeah. It was not great. Yeah. I don't have that same. Uh, my knee jerk reaction to things is completely different to Clark's. Sure. Who had a very different situation very growing different up. Very different childhood. Um, Clark is generally a happy person. <laughs> uh, whereas I'm just looking for a way out. <laughs> but, oh. um, you know, the thing to say to your dad, I think, is I don't want to end up like you and your dad. Yes. I don't want to lose you and your starting to act in these ways not not and like i said not accusatorily yeah because this is what your dad knows this right. is his role model right right in life is your grandfather and for you to come i mean that's such a cliche i statements mm -hmm. you know not so much you're doing this and it's bothering me but i'm hurt and afraid because you're making me feel this way and i don't even know that you know you're doing it right and right. almost like a little emotional intervention yeah because i mean that's just the the crux of it is dad i don't want to end up hating you the way you hate your father. Yeah. I do want to throw out there though, that, you know, I, I know this because you, you know, you don't, my mom and her mom have a little bit of a strained relationship. Yeah. They do love each other very much, but you know, it's strained at times. And the worst thing that I could do if I was in a conversation or confronting my mom is to ever say to her, okay, Joan, like, you know what I'm saying? Like to call her, her mother's name yeah, to yeah, say, yeah. to basically say you're acting like your mom, that kind of comparison immediately shuts that person down. Yeah. And now they're just like, ah, oh, fuck you. God damn it. I'm not like my mom or I'm yeah, not yeah, like my yeah. dad. Maybe a big key to this is to not like you were just saying before, don't bring up the grandfather at all. Yeah. Don't say you're acting like your dad. 
just say you're acting bad and you're making yeah. me feel bad. Don't bring up the grandfather because then he'll just immediately jump into yeah. defensive. God damn it. And I'm not like my dad. Yeah. And then nothing, nothing can change. But if it, yeah, no, that's right. It, it, and that's why I said to not do it accusatorily. No, exactly. exactly. But in a pinch, you're making me feel the way grandpa makes you feel is a pretty powerful statement. It is. If you're not getting anywhere, if yeah. your dad is denying things as exactly. well, that's something in your back pocket. So, and that's the truth. You yeah. don't, obviously you love your dad Yeah. or you wouldn't be writing to me about how to help him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Can you write to, can you help my dad? I fucking hate him. <laughs> um, but, uh, that can that is the crux of it is you go, God, I don't want to end up with the relationship with my dad the way that he has the right. wrong relationship with his. That's uh, it. You're comparing your dad to his dad a little bit, but you're more it's more that statement is more about you yeah. comparing yourself to your parent. And I think that's a more uh, that's the opposite. That yeah. Is, yeah, of course, you want to bond with your son. You want to. Yeah. So yeah, that makes total sense. Because then it's like you're you're commiserate not commiserating. I can't think of a good word no, today. No. You're identifying yeah. with your dad's how he feels. Yeah, exactly. You know, exactly. So and maybe your dad can really understand that really well. Yeah, I would say your dad is the one to talk about, and your grandpa seems to be. You know, like you said, it's old school. This is how it was. Right. This is how people did things. Right. And not that there's definitely people that still do that today, mm -hmm. but overall, we have a better understanding. I think of a better way to raise kids to discipline all that kind of stuff. And if your dad wants to write your grandfather off, let him. Yeah, oh yeah. Let him write your grandfather yeah. off. He doesn't need to spend time with this jackass if he keeps making him feel bad. Yeah. Like nobody needs that. So no, that's why I was like family sometimes, it, but Absolutely. he's your grandfather. Yeah. I don't give a shit. Yeah, exactly. I'm an adult and I can say, that's no, exactly he's right. a toxic person. That's exactly right. All right. Well, hopefully that helps comedic cam 47. Uh, let's move on to uh, one more question. Let's do one more question. This is a fun one. Okay. This is going to be good. This is from my friend Roy and Roy sent us this wonderful question. Why did all of our parents make us think it was illegal to drive with the dome light on? Oh my God. That's so true. Right? I still think that to this day. It is not illegal to drive with the dome light on. That's nonsense. Are you sure? I'm positive. Are you sure it's not uh, How penal code 694.64? Oh, there's no way. There's no way. It, yeah, there's some of those things. It is more distracting with the dome light on. Sure. Generally, you're looking for something in the car, which if you're the one driving, isn't the best idea. Right. And if you need a light that in, uh, kind of uh, insinuates that it's dark, meaning it's nighttime. And at nighttime, if you turn the dome light on, you kind of can't see out some yeah, windows. So, there, yeah, I can see how important that would be. There's some logistical considerations, but it's certainly not illegal, which exactly. is exactly what I was led to believe force fed and lied to yes. that's what you were exactly you were you were i was gonna say you're a tool of big dome light but <laughs> no, you're no, not no, no you're uh uh that's just big parent you're, yeah you're a tool of big parent <laughs> i i am not encouraging you to drive with the dome light no, on no. it does affect your 
ability to see lovely Lee out the window. And let's say you do have the dome light on and you get pulled over. I don't think if you tell them that Lori Beth Denberg said that it's legal to drive with your dome light on, that the cop will let you go. So our oh, advice yeah. really isn't that helpful in a, in an emergency yeah, situation. Like what here. if it is illegal yeah. and it's just never come up? Yeah, exactly. Maybe oh, don't you love the wrong. cop is like, Oh damn, I love that girl. <laughs> Exactly. All right, get out of here. Go All on. Right, go ahead. Here's a warning. <laughs> okay. Well, with that, that wraps up our question segment. Now we're going to move on to our rotating segment of the week, which this week I am very excited to say is our our long-awaited return of bad dog advice with Lori Beth Denver. Dogs. 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 Let's bring this down. Yes. Okay. Now, so, Clark, just so you know, Clark has a phone call that he would not let me hear. Yes. All I know is this is somehow related to dogs, but he was like not allowing me. He was like, nope, you just have to wait. So I'm sure. pretty excited to find out what the hell is what. Yeah. So I got a phone call this week and, you know, it really wasn't a question that would be good for our question segments. Most of the phone calls that we get are really important about parents or kids or cows. or cows or, you know, something that's, you know, asking a question or this one was different. They were just kind of asking you a question specifically. Okay. And the question was very intriguing because I don't know the answer to this question either. Oh, all right. Here we go. You ready? All right. Hi there. Okay. So this isn't really an advice question, but it is a question. My friend told me that they seen Lori Beth on a judge show a while back. It was either Judge Judy or Judge Mathis or um, People's Court, one of those type of shows. I'm pretty sure he said something like um, uh, Lori Beth was a witness on the case about a dog or something like that. Um, I didn't believe him, but now that I heard... Um, you talk about being a dog walker in the past on the podcast. Now I'm wondering if this was true. Maybe you can elaborate on this. Um, I always thought that these judge TV shows were fake. So maybe you could shed some light on this. Uh, what was the experience? Is it real? And what was this dog incident? Thanks. <laughs> there we go. The people's court dog uh, law. Now it makes a lot of sense. Like Clark was like, it's a weird question. It's not an advice question. We're doing bad dog advice. <laughs> and I'm, so now he let me. Okay. Yes. <laughs> it was Christina's court. Oh, so you did do uh, one of these law shows. Yes. And well, it was Christina's court. Christina's court. I don't know that it's still around. Yeah. It might've, it might've come and gone quickly. Wow. Christina who? I don't know. She was some sort of judge. Wow. Okay. Um, not Christine. Oh, what's her name? Judge Millian. I don't oh. know her first name. She's from People's Court. Yeah, I that's love People's her. Court. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love her. Yeah, she's great. Yeah. No, this was a. This was a. You know, again, just like the. Uh, what's it called? The. The. Uh, what the hell were we talking about before? Reality TV oh, yeah, shows. Yeah, 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 there was this little boom of judge shows. Yeah, Judge Mathis uh, yeah. and Judge Judy. And what's funny? And- I was in this. Uh, you know, case. I was at the dog park. Wow. It was two dogs that were wrestling. 
One of them was kind of bugging the other one. I knew both dogs okay. because they're both sweet peas. Okay. Like, But one of them was bothering this yellow lab and the yellow lab turned around to snap, which is what dogs do. Sure. Like, leave me alone. Sure. And the other dog happened to be in a position where the snapping dog's mouth came down on his ear. Oh. So it wasn't like a bite. It was like if you were to turn around really quick pointing and hit someone in the face accidentally. Which I do all the time with Lex. Right, exactly. The black eyes, the black (laughs) eyes. Broke my goddamn headphones. (laughs) Um, So that was the situation that happened. Wow. The... People of the dog that got, I'll say bitten, just right. the, the people of the dog whose ear was injured. The defendant. The defendant. No. No. The. the, the, the not the prosecutor. The no, plaintiff. The, the plaintiff. plaintiff. The plaintiffs went fucking nuts. Really? Calling her, how, harassing how, her. How big of a dog? A, a, a large sized dog. You know, very, very um, the same size as the huh. yellow lab. They were playing. They huh. were wrestling. And the yellow lab, her name was Kelsey, got, um, I was very good friends with her mom. Okay. And with Kelsey, she was just a good smush. That's, that's very the sweet dog. Yes, that's a defendant. Okay. And, you know, we'd been at the park together, all of us, many, many, many times. Hmm. It wasn't a stranger. Yeah. The dogs were of, you know, comparably the same size. It was just an accident. Okay. And my friend was like, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, let me pay half the vet bill. And they were like, no. And all this stuff. And by the time they were calling her and harassing her. And wow. By the time this came around, they were going to sue her for all of this stuff that was just ridiculous. What? For her dog nipping at another dog's yeah. ear in a dog park? Uh, yeah. The, I mean, the doggy did get a hurt ear. He had to go of to course. the vet. Okay. Um, whatever. But it was certainly not, I mean. Traumatizing. No, it was. It And it was an off-leash dog park. It'd be different. Right. If your dog was off-leash at a regular wherever and came up and friggin' bit your dog. Yeah. But that, like I said, it wasn't even in a bite. It right. was a snap to say, get away from me, which is what dogs do. Yeah. Because they don't have the verbal skills that you and I do. Exactly. Um, So I guess what happens is, you know, the court shows look at the dockets for the courts for the small claims and maybe pick ones they think would be good. Okay. I found out later. So that's what Christina's court did and approached my friend. Okay. You know, to take this to the show. And I found out later that Judge Mathis... Uh, also had contacted them. And I wondered, though, if he would have to recuse himself from the case because he had been on the Steve Harvey show with no. me. How weird that a that a, a TV judge might have to recuse himself. What? I know. It's pretty crazy. That's so, crazy. And at this point, I'm not even very good friends with this woman. I love her. I love her dog. We're at the dog park. Yeah. This was kind of our first adventure together that led to us being better friends her name is debbie debbie if you're listening i'd be surprised and i love you Um, (laughs) so we go to texas okay the christina's court you know gets us plane tickets wow so they film in texas yeah it was i can't remember what say houston i don't know okay and again houston i hope that you're warm and that you have water and electricity yes um 
and it was like summer. It was hot. It was fucking weird. And we just go and we don't know each other very well. And we think that they're going to give us two hotel rooms. Yeah. They give us one hotel room with two beds. And we're like, okay. I guess we're sleeping together. And it was just like over, like it was kind of an overnight thing too. It was like. We were, we showed up. The whole thing is surreal anywhere. Like, yeah. anyway, like, where are we? The yeah. dog's not with us. They didn't bring the dog? No, they didn't bring the dogs. Um, but of course, on the show, they had like the saddest picture of their dog with right, his bandaged ear, you know? And th- it's funny. It's so crazy that we talked about that reality show stuff and how the producers <laughs> yeah, are despicable. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because. The producer they make this big deal to keep you away from each other. Huh. You know, like, oh, the the plaintiffs are getting out of their van. Stay in the van for right now. And then totally came up to my friend, the producers going, yeah, well, they're just saying that, you know, you're irresponsible and really stoking right. things. And I have a background in, um, you know, television yeah. and drama. Yeah, so yeah, I can yeah. see what's going on and I'm pretty disgusted. Oh. So we get there. They give us some, you know, we go through hair and makeup. They gave me something to wear. What I wore wasn't good enough for them. I don't know. Yeah. So I don't even know what it looks like. I don't think I've ever seen it and I don't care. But so then we have this court case and the people had been so ridiculous that along with, I think the most you can sue for is like five grand in small claims. Right. So they were suing for five grand, including the vet bills, which were nothing like that. Okay. And then, um, like they had called the cops or something yeah. and they had left their phone. They were suing for their cell phones because they left their cell phones on a car and it drove away. Like, and when I remember when the judge, when judge Christina read that everyone in the little audience just laughed. Yeah. Like it was clear. These people were ridiculous. Yeah. The whole thing was ridiculous. And in the end, the judge said, well, you know, to my friend, you'll pay half the vet bills, which is what she <laughs> said immediately. Yeah. The thing with the court shows is they pay it. Oh, that's right. kind of your fee to be on the show. You is, don't get paid. They yeah. just whatever, whoever wins, whoever, they, whoever yeah. loses doesn't have to pay that amount. Yeah. The judgment is paid by, by the, the show. show. So they are real. They're ridiculous. They're real ridiculous. <laughs> um, it was this really surreal, weird thing. And then on that same trip, we yeah. went to the mall afterwards. We went to eat at the Cheesecake Factory, just me and my friend. Huh. Then we went to the mall. And I got this Thai massage mm. that was so intense. My entire back was completely bruised. Oh my God. It looked like I had been whipped with cat of nine tails and what? people, the uh, time massage, they get on the table. There's different techniques. Yeah. It's not um, an anomaly that that would happen, but I looked like I got beaten the fuck oh, up and no. I felt like it too. Oh. And then I remember it was summer. So we came home and Did I you have was, to get on a plane after that and fly yeah, back and home. It wasn't that bad. It was because bruised back with a, Yes. I was, I said, look what my friend did to me. I'm <laughs> taking her on to judge Mathis. <laughs> um, but it was, it was during one of those, you know, really hot spells in the Valley here where Clark and I live. Oh yeah. And I was um, helping with this uh, charity event that was in Griffith park. I think, you know, we were doing a barbecue and hang out and all this kind of stuff. 
And when I got back, and it was just rough. I got back in my car at the end and turned it on and says on the display, 118 degrees. So I've been in this weird judge dog vortex in Texas. (laughs) And now I have this completely bruised back. I've been working all day on this event, just drained of every ounce I have, you know, of life. And it's like, yeah, of course it's 118 degrees right now. So anyway, to answer your question, yes, I was on a judge show. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. I'm very uh, happy to hear that story. I'd never heard that before. Oh, yeah. That was amazing. All right. Well, uh, hopefully that uh, that solves that question and we can move on. We have one final question for the podcast. Uh, And today's final question is from somebody named Zoe. Zoe. And Zoe asks... I am a cisgender white woman. I'm sorry. Yeah. How can I be an ally to marginalized groups without it appearing to be virtue signaling? Ah, that is a good question that I wish more people would ask. And I will explain what virtue signaling is because that's not something everybody has on the tip of your tongue. Yeah. You know, virtue signaling is like, well, of course Of course, Black Lives Matter. Of course, I'm posting this. How dare they do this to those protesters I say on Facebook? Right. But I take no actual action. Right. To try to be. Make the situation better. To to try to be an active ally. Right. What can I do? Right. And there's a lot of lip service. And I mean, this this is what Facebook is now. Mm -hmm. To just take that one example. Yeah. And what. A lot of us have learned over the last year is that saying how much I agree with you doesn't really mean anything. Mm -hmm. Helping means something. Right. Changing my actions. Right. Helps. It's not enough. That was a big thing I remember. Your wife would post about it. Yeah. Um, It's, and she does not virtual virtue signals. She gets her hands dirty. She does. So it's more like, um, it's not enough to not be racist. We need to be anti-racism. Right. Exactly. What a a very good way to put it. Yeah. And it's, of course, then you go, oh, in the political, you know, correctness spectrum, like, are you kidding me? Right. But it is, it is the systemic not even the systemic racism that we all know works Mm -hmm. and is put in place for a reason and has been working quite well for the people that established it. For a good 250 years. I ran out of breath like B. Arthur. (laughs) Um, I, uh, yeah. So that is alive and well. And if you choose to fight that concept and say, no, there's not, you're either racist or really stupid yeah. or literally, I mean, it's hard to say ignorant because ignorant is such an insult now, but like you're ignorant to the truth. Yeah, exactly. And I was talking to Karen about this. This is a very serious question. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you don't really, I was saying before, you only know what you know. Right. So I'm white growing up. Right. That's my experience. I had a shitty childhood. I had, you know, we talked about that. We talked a lot today. We have. Um, It's all coming together. Almost 50 minutes. Yeah. But that is my experience. Mm -hmm. And none of that had to do, I didn't have any of the consequences laid out by 
shitty people about being black or Hispanic or gay or anything like that. I was fat. I took my share of lumps, but and Jewish. And I was, yeah, I was Jewish. Ish. But um, I'm an atheist now. Let's start a fucking war about it. (laughs) Um, You know, the experience of being a a person of color, she just says marginalized, which kind of captures, you know, everything. And we know what that is. Yeah. And now it's like, well, no, white people are marginalized. It's like, no, 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 honey. You know. Yeah. You, uh, you're not. And it's, it's really easy for me to say, well, of course I'm not racist and this is awful. And how right. could this happen? And right. how could even believe this? But am I showing up to a city council meeting where anything is going to be decided? Yes. Am I, am I, are there parts of my life? Are there things that I do? Are there things that I enjoy that are part of systemic racism, even if I don't know it? Right. That now I know it. Yeah. Because this is what we're talking about. Yeah. And do I say, I'm going to change that. I'm going to, you know what a really simple way to say this is? Mm. I don't spend my money at Chick-fil-A. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that is the, literally the least I can do. Right. But, you know, if you're going to be anti-gay and, you know, put money into anti-gay right yeah like a gay uh re what is it where they try and reprogram you and that kind of shit i don't give my money to them yeah part of that is just because and i've eaten at chick-fil-a before but for years i have said no and it doesn't hurt that popeye's chicken sandwich is really fucking good (laughs) but that on on a on a micro level yeah that's a choice i make yeah um that doesn't mean that there aren't a million other things that I need to do. Things that I have going for me that I don't even realize I have going for me. It's true. You know, and that's a big part of what I've seen, you know, white people who say, you know, Oh, it's so hard to be black. I don't have money. I don't have, I haven't had these advantages. What are you talking about? White privilege. And that's where the real work and the real eye opening has to happen. Yeah. Because yes, I haven't had a good childhood. Right. I haven't had a, you know, uh, riches fairy tale uh, yeah uh, i've had a shitty time yeah but never once when i've been pulled over by a cop have i been worried about my life exactly never once not even yeah and it doesn't matter what you you were if you were speeding if you were high yeah never would have mattered never what you were doing because we're white and yeah that's not something that we have to be scared of and in fact i usually end up joking with them that kind of stuff yeah you know um, and that's something that without hearing the experience of other people, yeah, I would not have known about. And right. until recently, we haven't even really been able to hear that experience. Exactly. Because it's not only um, 
are you, you know, person of color, so we don't care anyway, society as a whole says. And not society as a whole. It's the system. The systematic. It's, it's yeah, the, the systematicness. The system. Yeah. Um, the systematic <laughs> You know, until I'm able to hear those other experiences and right. points of view from people that are well just affected by it, I don't realize what I've got going. And you have to be open to listening to what those experiences uh, yes. are. You have to be open to uh, willing to listen to these people and listen to these stories and just for once in your life, accept that something someone is telling you, even if they're a stranger could be true. Yeah. And that not everything is as you see it. You, you've been uh, framing it perfectly all day today. You live your life and your experiences build your psyche and your psyche can only uh, uh, judge shit on what you know. Mm -hmm. So if you don't open yourself up to learning and accepting new behaviors, new realities, if you think, you know, police are all great and fantastic and heroes. Maybe it would be an eye opener for you to really sit down and talk with somebody that has experience where they have been beaten up or they have been treated unfairly because I've, you know, I've seen people being treated unfairly and it, it, it pisses me off, man. I can't yeah. take it. When I see somebody, it doesn't matter if it's a color thing, if it's a race, uh, a gender thing, if it's anything, I hate seeing people, that are being, you know, picked on or bullied or made fun of or, you know, just be being treated like shit by assholes. Yeah. I hate watching assholes. Yeah. So I always feel like I need to step up and walk, step into the situation. Yeah. And, you know, kind of figure out what's going on. You know, there, we Karen and I were walking out of the the movie theater at the promenade years ago. And as we were walking out, there was two guys and they were clearly escalating into a fight. Mm -hmm. And one of them was black and one of them was not. And I could tell that the white guy was starting to whip out some of these phrases that were going to get him beaten up or that were just going to start a fight. Yeah. And I had to kind of walk into these two strangers and go, guys, we're at a movie theater. You're yelling <laughs> about a movie. You're wrong. You're wrong. You're right. You're right. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Let's end this and move on. Yeah. You go, you go your way. You go the other way. And we kind of ended it there because you kind of have to step in. Sometimes you have to do more than just wish it away. Yeah. You know, you do have to do a little bit of grunt work and walk in and step in. And if you see somebody that is a cisgender white person and they are acting like a privileged cisgender white person, you need to be the ally that steps up and goes, excuse me, what are you doing? Yeah. Why are you doing this? This person was trying to do whatever and you are getting in their way. What's, what is wrong here? And what's funny is then you run into, it's so delicate. And part of that is political correctness gone awry. Sure. Because part of that issue is then you're the white savior. Right. You know? Right. And so that is all this kind of like, I'm so with you. I love stepping into shit. Yeah. I love stepping into shit, especially mostly it. Ha I mean, I don't love it, but it mostly has to do with people being complete assholes 
to someone who works behind a counter. Oh, that's the worst. That's not necessarily racially oh. driven, although it could be, yeah, depending on how entitled you feel. That's more class but driven. That's, yeah, that's where I like step up most yeah. times. That's not like I'm looking for a fight every day. But, um, you know, it's something that um, Karen said to me when I was talking to her. It's like, so this person is saying, Zoe is saying, yeah. how can I be... An ally. An ally without appearing to be virtual, <laughs> virtue signaling. Yeah. Well, here's the first thing. Don't appear. Yeah. Do what, put your money where your mouth is. Right. I put my money where my mouth doesn't eat Chick-fil-A. Right. But in addition to that, like Karen was saying, she likes to uh, support black owned businesses. Right. You know, she likes to do that. I mean, she worked really hard on a political campaign yeah. yep, trying yep, yep. to get uh, for at least one, yeah. you know, but four women of color onto the school board, uh, to the uh, college board, to the college board. Yeah. The, the community college board here in LA. Yeah. And she worked her little white ass off. Yes, she did. Because she really steps up and says, yeah. this is important. And it, again, it's, it wasn't, it wasn't stepping up to be the white savior. It wasn't stepping in to save the situation as much as it was a, a she saw that she that people needed help to get to a point where some other white people just kind of were handed a situation. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like what you, Clark isn't saying is that there were corrupt corrupt pieces of shit yeah, on the board exactly that and were kind of just we given the to job get rid of them and they were given th hundreds of thousands of dollars for advertising and marketing yeah. and all this stuff and here are these women that have no way of even knowing how to get into the election process let yeah. alone get money and all this stuff so, so Karen worked really hard on that. It was working with them. It wasn't just coming in to save the day. Yeah. It was being like uh, Zoe was saying, an ally. Yeah. And and I was thinking the same thing with the the guy at the parking lot, right? Walking out of the movie theater. It wasn't like I came in was like, ha ha, I will save you. As much as I came in and stood with the black guy, it was like, I could see that this guy was just being an asshole to him. Yeah. And I, it was more of like, what do you need me to do here? Yeah. Do you need me to talk to this guy? Do you need me to separate you two? What can I do to help? And when I have it in my in my pocket, my white privilege, right. that's part of the that's what I can use as, you know, use systematic racism to my advantage. Exactly. Because, for the benefit exactly. of a person of color. Because yeah, if there's gonna be a big fight. You know, if they're going to try to get these, you know, women elected to the school board, anybody of uh, marginalized, you know, anything. Right. It's like, well, you know, what I know is that as a white person, I'm going to be taken seriously. Right. So why don't I use my powers for good instead of evil? Exactly. And those are but but the at the end of the day, the important thing is the action mm -hmm. writing on Facebook, how, how much I, you know, am behind black lives matter is not enough is not enough saying here's what I did today. Right. Is what will start to change the tide. Yep. Um, or I should say what could I like, yeah. I have everything is, and of course, we started the show by me saying I was losing my fucking shit. Mm. But this is part of what is difficult for me. I'm so hesitant to be hopeful about anything. Yeah. 
You know, yeah, I really, really am. I work so hard. What'd you say? I said a lot of people are. Oh, yeah. A lot of people are. I have never worked harder at anything than I worked at not being hopeful yeah. that the presidential election would turn oh. out the way it did. Absolutely. I, After 2016, good yeah. Lord. And then I did a good job with that. And then I kept catching myself, catching myself, catching myself, getting hopeful about Georgia. Mm. And I kept reprimanding myself. It's pretty loud in my head sometimes. Yeah. Because I was feeling hopeful. Yeah. And that is such a sad state of affairs. Yes, it is. You know? Yes, and, it is. And luckily, I mean, we say this show isn't political. You can probably guess where <laughs> I fall on the spectrum of white, privileged, liberal, you know, whatever. Holly, I'm a Hollywood liberal. You are. Hollywood oh, elite. Oh, God. But, yeah, elite. I feel elite <laughs> every day of my life. You know? And so it's like I find myself saying, yeah, hopefully this tide is turning. And it's like- yeah. I I need to take this person's question. What am I going to do? Right. Me not eating a Chick-fil-A today is not enough. Right. So I'm going to I'm going to think of something in this vein of yeah. of what is something that I do that even unconsciously has a negative impact mm -hmm. as far as my place in systemic racism, as well as, you know, BIPOC. Yeah. Place BIPOC's place in systemic racism. Yeah, yeah. And that is a lot more difficult to parse apart, but the key is action. Yeah. What action can I take? Zoe, what action can you take to, you know, just like, you know, Karen said she likes to support Black-owned businesses. Right. It still has to be a good business. Right, right. Don't get food poisoning at a horrible <laughs> exactly. restaurant and be like on your deathbed like, at least I supported BLM. Yeah, exactly. But um, maybe you ordered a BLT, but it turned out to be a BLM. <laughs> and the M was... Extra mayo? No, it would have to be something deadly to kill you. Mm -hmm. The bacon, lettuce, and... Mercury. Mercury. Sandwich. There you go. Yeah. I I wanted to support the black owned business, but I don't think. <laughs> now I have liquid know, metal in my yeah, body. I shouldn't have gotten the extra thermometers, <laughs> you know, but those are things that we could each do. And important is to look at, okay, let me try to step outside of my own experience. Yes. Because then it is like, you know, I'll, I'll, I'm sure that I will be thinking about this for the week for beyond that to say, oh, God, I never thought of that. Yep. I never thought of that. I never thought of this. Yes. And so, just and just all everyone out there, please be open to listening to other people's stories and open to change. You got to be willing to make a little bit of change to yeah. sacrifice for the greater good of the country. And sacrifice is a pretty shitty way to say it when it's like, oh, I've got 20 Twinkies and right. you've got a quarter of one. I'll sacrifice one for you. Now I only have 19. Right. But look, hey, man, you got to talk to them in their language. And in their language, they are sacrificing by giving away their one uh, Twinkie. Are. So you got to talk to them in their language. And let me tell you, you got to change. Let's get some Twinkies, too. Yeah, that sounds really good. I, yeah. uh, You know, I'm not a big chocolate guy but i do feel like having a ding dong oh How, are ding dongs still made ding dongs are still made okay i'd do that
Fair yeah. enough. Okay. Uh, anyway, so we're going to go get some uh, sugar stuff now because <laughs> we've been stressed over all of this uh, podcasting shit. But I had a great time. Did you have a good time today? I did. I feel like this one was pretty deep. This was a very deep episode, but I think we'll feel like we still got a little uh, it was all, yeah, lighthearted no, yeah. humor in there. Well, it was so... Uh... It was already deep, and then he hit us with that fucking dome light shit. Yeah, it just pushed me over the right? edge. And then the uh, dog court. It's it's been a, yes, a rough dog show. court. God, that was a crazy. But I had thing. a great time. Hopefully, you guys had a really good time out there too. Uh, please, if you have a question for Lori Beth, send it to us at askloribeth.com. You can hit us up on all the socials at Ask Lori Beth, or you can leave us a message with your name and where you're from at one eight five five Denberg. That's one eight five five D E N B E R G. Or if you only know numbers, that's that's one 336 2374 Yes, please send your questions in. And if you want to get a hold of me personally, that sounded like an invitation I didn't mean to make. <laughs> you can find me on Instagram at LB Denberg, yep. on Twitter at Lori Beth Denberg. And you can book me for a personalized video at cameo.com slash Lori Beth. Yeah. All right, everyone. I hope you had a great time and have a great rest of your day. And we'll talk to you later. Do something nice for someone else today. Yes. Thanks, Bubbas. Love you. Bye. That Advice stars Lori Beth Denberg and Clark Crozier. The show is produced by me, Jeremy Balin, and part of the Seltzer Kings Network. Our theme song is written and performed by Natty Ward. If you or someone you love is in need of some bad advice, you can submit your own question on our socials, all of which are Ask Lori Beth, or on our website at AskLoriBeth.com, or for a nostalgic twist, you can call 1-855-DENBERG. That's right, 1-855-336-2374, and leave your question in there. Thanks for listening. Seltzer Kings Podcasts.